Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging tech, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hello, John, and welcome to the new year. By the time this is, uh, this is broadcast, it'll be after January 1st. How are you, my industry guru friend? Yeah, doing great, doing great. And uh, we, sh- we will probably need a whole podcast to talk about your Christmas gift that you just were describing to me in the green room. And uh, the, the geeks live on, right? The, 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 there's no shortage of analog gadgets out there to fascinate people like us. Well, I have to say what John Arnold is referring to here is that one of my daughters gave me a New York City subway map that is interactive and it shows lights for all the trains and it gets data from the same feed that that feeds the signs in the stations that says a train is going to be there in two minutes which usually if not always happens and it's really cool it it lights up like a christmas tree all the time and the lights have the same colors as the different subway lines have on the signs so you know it's this kind of train or that kind of train so uh john that is my my geek gift of the of the season right well we are as big picture guys you can understand why stuff like that is interesting for us right well i'm always interested in things that are driven by the flow of information you know if i if i had any art talent whatsoever my area probably would be conceptually based on information as a flow sort of like a wind that powers things and um, so I'm all about displays and different ways of representing information and things like that. So it is an interest in the in analog person world. So we'll, let's make that our New Year resolution for 2023 to be a little more creative, right? And put a put a, a you know uh, our own touch on some of these gadgets and tools. You know, all of these products that we we use. Uh, as their design is, is so convenient, right? Because they, they're, you, you know what these products are meant to be used for. But it's always fun when you can find new use cases for these tools, and also for the analog stuff that you know people don't remember anymore because they didn't grow up with it. And uh, I just think that it speaks to, you know, the difference between analog and digital worlds, right? That I think what happens today, we have these beautifully built products, but you have no idea of what went into creating them. I agree, John, but I, I also, I mean, I think design is eternal though. So whether something's analog or digital, you still should be trying to aim for good design. And that certainly includes the aesthetics, as you say, like, how does it look? But it's also how it functions. And I, I feel like a lot of products are less than optimal in how they actually function, but that probably is a whole other topic that uh, as curmudgeons we could get into at some point, right? I think this could be the genesis of uh, maybe a new consultancy that we could be running. So anybody out there who's looking for clever design ideas and input, 
we might have something to talk about. At least we're available as curmudgeons. Yes. Um, (laughs) But we're well-informed curmudgeons. (laughs) Curmudgeons. We know what Um, works and we know what doesn't work. Yeah. So did you you get anything interesting for the holiday season? Was there any... uh, was there anything that kind of uh, sparked your fancy, or did you do uh, anything that that uh, was was notable? Well, I wouldn't say notable. I, I think it's been more of being closer to home for a while because I've been traveling so much. I did not mind at all seeing uh, seeing people who I don't normally get to see and not having to shovel ten feet of snow out of my garage because uh, we just haven't had the weather here. And being in Toronto, you know, we're not far from Buffalo, which is, you know, anytime you want to turn on the TV and you want to know where's the weather bad in the U.S., they always point to Buffalo. I just feel so bad because they they get all the crappy weather that we don't. And uh, it's like, okay, if it's bad weather, it must be Buffalo. So that's sure enough, you see that. We actually were going to go to Buffalo for a couple of days over the break, but we uh, got snowed out, let's just say. So that'll have to be for another time. Well, we do feel very bad for the folks there. They're going through a terrible time with the yeah. snow and the storm. Um, I mean, that was just unbelievable conflagration, right? That that storm. So we're our feelings and hearts go out to them. They're really suffering there at this point. But anyway, all right. Well, we all had the ability, I think, or a lot of us did, to get together if if we didn't get snarled too much by airplane traffic. At least in this country, it's been pretty bad. In the U.S. Um, yeah, I acted, I was in Las Vegas actually the last week just before Christmas, and uh, let's just say I came home at the right time. If my flight home was the next day, I probably would have been snowed out because we did get like two really bad days of weather here. But it was more like you know cold and wind, not snow. Anyways, the weather is 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 interesting, folks. But we got other things to to talk about. But I will say that yeah, I was lucky. I just got the last. The last event I went to, I got home just to, just in time. So, but yeah, I do feel for people who got stranded, you know, in their cars and on and on trains. That was a big one up here, and uh, yeah, of course, you know, on planes. Uh, I don't know about any boats getting stranded, but I wouldn't want to be in a boat right now. No. Well, why don't we launch into it in terms of um, commentary? I guess we ran a little long last time, and so John and I were talking about this, and we really are going to try to hold ourselves to more or less half an hour. Uh, We ran over last time because John had been so active and, you know, we really wanted to cover all of the things he'd been doing. But, um, you know, our, our goal, that was, that was longer than we normally would like to run. Right, John. So we're going to try it, even though we could sit and talk here forever, we want to try to hold our episode length to a certain, to a certain length. Right. Well, yeah, think of it as a vinyl LP, right? We want to make sure we get enough content to fill a side. And then last week's was maybe two sides. So keep it to yes. one side. Yes. And if you take the LP analogy, every time they try to cut too much on a side, it doesn't track right. Yeah. So <laughs> so we, we, uh, we have to try to hold it within the limits of um, – Normal expectations. Uh, high, uh, we do have high expectations, and uh, we love our listeners, but we don't want to burden them more than a certain period of time. But if you millennials out there have no idea what we're talking about, but are curious, let's talk, or we'll give you a demo. Well, I gotta say, the millennials and 
Zs that I know are very are very into vinyl, and uh, they are not uninformed on that topic. That's a very popular it. thing. In fact, I even got a couple of records for Christmas, oh, which I'm wow. very I'm very excited about. So. Oh, that is pretty cool. All right, tell us one title that's going to be a keeper. Well, it's uh, it was released in the fall, and it's it's from a tape of very early Lou Reed and John Cale. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just prior to the formal uh, formation of the Velvet Underground, but kind of rehearsing and previewing some of the material. And it was found in a collection of Lou Reed's cassette library, and it was restored for vinyl and for release. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, so that was one that comes to mind. And uh, I got another one from a, a, a new Bossa Nova Brazilian artist called Sessa, who I don't really know. And so I'm very excited to listen to that one. Mm, okay. Nova but these did not come from, you know, not these, some of these came from uh, younger folks. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think we can actually talk vinyl and our audience will understand, you know, I love it. I love it. And if we're, if you're in New York, we can meet up where we met a couple of weeks ago, right? At, uh, at uh at the astro uh, astro yes yes one of the That's... remaining old school new york city coffee shops which are in scarce in scarce supply today but a classic old diner place that's right in the middle of midtown and we had our breakfast we there. had a very good we actually met in person for the first time in quite quite a, a while and it was a lot of fun okay that's our look into our social world for Yes, last yes, what such as it is, absolutely, yes. <laughs> All right, so we are now segueing nicely into our sixth season, drum roll, right? Six, can you believe it? Wow. Yeah, okay, we're in the back half of the first decade. Yes, season six of Watch This Space, and we better start talking about stuff because uh, we're getting a little... Uh, little, little too much into what we've been doing over the last few weeks, but let's look ahead to 2023. So we've got, um, there's a, you know, a lot of unknowns, but I think the starting point, Chris, is unlike the past several years, we're going into an economy that, you know, isn't primed for endless growth, right? I mean, you know, all the, the challenges of the, of the rising interest rates and financial issues, and of course, you know, the layoffs that, you know, every day there's a new company in the tech space with layoffs. So something's got to give and it's starting to now when companies aren't posting profits and we've got to kind of get more financially sound in this, in the industry. So I think that kind of sets the stage for the year ahead, right? I mean, we just don't have this market of free money. It reminds me a little bit, you know, Chris, of around 2000 when so much money went into funding, you know, fiber optics and all the you know, the IP network build outs to replace the PSTN. And there was no shortage of money to finance all of that. And uh, some of it went well, some of it ended badly, but this is a different market too, right? But it's just more about tighter economy and they're gonna be less demand. And that puts a lot of pressure on companies to, you know, be, spend their money carefully and treat their people right, hopefully. Yes, yes, one would certainly hope that that was the goal. Um, it's it's it seems a little different though from 2000 because uh, there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of uptake uh, especially in the tech sector of people who you know 
do lose their positions. They find new ones with that skill. And again, we have to offer the standard disclaimer. This is a small segment of the populace. But a lot of other industries seem very much to be hiring. And there's also, it's going to be interesting, at least in the U.S. economy, because there's a lot of funding coming in for the regrowth of industry and skills that are not just computer skills that that uh, and training for that and community colleges and all of these things so certainly from a job demand standpoint it seems still pretty robust although there have been reductions at some of the big companies for sure so that that looks kind of like the way things are right now the 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 tech pullback in 2000 2001 was just a a cataclysm, right? I mean, people who were able to stay in and hang on to the edge of the cliff ended up, I think, doing pretty well. But um, oh, there was a lot of carnage at the time, right? Yeah, pretty bloated space, right? A lot of expectations. And, and you know, there's some parallels to that with kind of the buzzer on AI, for example, right? That it's going to be this great new technology that's going to open up all kinds of possibilities. And that was kind of the go-go vibe 20, 20-ish years ago when the internet was just kind of starting to get its legs. We were kind of entering, I think that was really the true entering of the digital age, right? When everyone started getting online, you know, doing more things on screens, less things in person, and then all the technologies that, you know, flowed from that. And I think we're kind of, you know, AI is a, another example of, of, of a of a buzz that can get ahead of itself very quickly. But I do think we're going to see some pretty good uses of it, you know, applications of AI this year. And I think where I want to go to is what you mentioned earlier, Chris, there is a lot of robust employment for sure in certain, certain types of jobs in certain types of sectors and the industrial thing you just kind of referenced briefly there. So there's a term that, we hope you are familiar with out there folks called industry 4.0. You know, it's a little bit like when you hear those terms 1.0, 2.0, right? These reboots of things that have been with us for a long time. And I think the um, applications of certainly AI, but also the emergence of 5G, uh, IoT in some spaces is starting to be turned into these more industrial kind of applications where it's all about automating production, right? Automating, you know, the the industrial side of things where, you know, whether you want to call it factories or or even you, you name the line of work, you know, agriculture, mining, right? Uh, airports. We saw a really good presentation at the SCTC, or the keynote um, there back in October in Dallas. And it was the, basically, Chris, it was like the CTO of the Dallas Fort Worth Airport. And to hear him talk about the kind of things they're doing with AI, and well, it is AI, but a lot of it's with like mobile applications, but just smart applications to make the whole experience of a traveler, of a worker, an employee in there, baggage handlers, you know, you name it, everything up and down the line, to make it just smarter and more connected. It just shows you what's possible when you really apply technology in a smart way, right? Yeah, and to your point, John, the automation is not necessarily trying to aim at eliminating jobs. It's to make jobs more effective and the user experience more effective. I mean, there are certainly some collateral effects some of the time, 
but when you look at a lot of uh, types of facilities today, they're operating on such an old-fashioned kind of paradigm or on the layers of old-fashioned technology that you can modernize them, which usually involves you know some use of new technologies like AI and just make them work better, right? I mean, think of we we touched on the airline debacle um, of the last week or two, and really since the pandemic, so. One, you know, that has placed a huge strain on their outdated IT infrastructures uh, because they have to make do more with less. And and so, uh, you know, anything that the systems can do to optimize more to make those to make the operations run smoothly is a good thing. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about your your New York subway system grid there. Right. That really shows everything. You know, they, they, they could do this with analog technologies. But when you turn it, you know, completely into a digital operation with with all the sensors, right, and AI stuff that go, you know, that goes into this automation of everything, you can imagine just how even more efficient and streamlined these things can be. All all of these things, you know, we've all talked about these before, smart cities, smart buildings, smart roads, smart homes. Um, I I think we're going to start seeing more of the fruits of this uh, in 2023. And I know we're a little ways away from talking about, you know, the collaboration and uh, contact center stuff that we see in the office and business settings. But I, I, I think these are bigger stories um, that I think will will get a lot of attention in 2023. Well, I'm not sure you agree on this, but I actually think that higher level AI is going to be a huge story. It already is, but I think it's going to be a big story in 2023. And I don't think, I think a lot of practical applications of it have really moved past the hype, or at least they've moved far enough to where it's possible to figure out where the future lies and really apply it to real world problems um, and and hopefully address some of the ethical questions. But when you look at some of the work that OpenAI is doing, you know, ChatGPT and some of the other work, that is really interesting stuff. And, um, you know, if you can do that, then there are all these other data sets out there that you could apply the same kind of logic to. And you're not trying to create, uh, you know, a true intellect or a human equivalent. You're really just trying to do a much better job at processing data and spotting patterns. And if you can even do that, then you can go a long way. And I really think that's going to be quite visible. Yeah, you said the the example I was just about to mention was the chat GPT, because just to make sure people know what we're talking about, we should explain it a little bit, because it's kind of come out of nowhere. And what's really cool is that it's not come from Google or Amazon, right? And the early indicators of this kind of blow people away that this is something that, wait a minute, if it's this good, this easily this, as you say, Chris, it points to just how far, and it's certainly what I see in this, the work I do in the speech tech area. It's like, this stuff is like, once it gets to a certain point, the advancements happen really fast and they happen at a pace that are beyond our ability to really kind of get it. And what the early examples of this are saying, oh, if it's this good now, imagine what it's going to be like in like five years. And like, you know, we're going to be automating ourselves out of existence if we're not careful. But maybe if you, you could just maybe talk a bit about how you what you've seen about this and what it what it does. Well, it, it, it allows you to ask a question in very natural language 
um, you know, type in a question or whatever. In theory, it could be speech. In, I mean, if you use Siri, it'll be speech input too, and give you a very coherent answer based on a lot of input, basically trolling the whole internet and building it up into a database with a, a neural network behind it. And so, you know, sometimes the answers are not really that helpful, but a lot of times, um, a lot of times they are. And uh, it's a it's a lot of information presented in what you would call a well written format, right, John? This is like not it's it's very user friendly, and you can ask it just about anything, and it may or may not produce something useful, but it will try. Yeah, and, and it's it it understands kind of the human kind of the the model, the intent. Of the, the, the intent, but also the forms that we use. So. If you say to create, I want to write a four-verse poem, it will write a four-verse poem. If you want to write lyrics to a song and say, here are the things I want to talk about, it will come up with that. And, and I just think it's just so interesting to show how the more you can model how we think and, and how, we, how we kind of relate to information, it just, they're, they're just the, the applications are just creating these new models that fit those forms that we're so used to using. And I think it's going to get very good very quickly. And of course, the scary part is that, you know, people like me, you know, who write for a living, you know, well, we could be out of a job soon if we're not careful, because these things can be good enough that you don't need to pay an analyst a lot of money to analyze something if ChatGPT can do it pretty darn well for next to nothing, and a hell of a lot faster than it takes me to write something up. John, you're not giving yourself enough credit here. Well, you know. I've wanted to do a bake-off on stage with one of these things. To say, it would okay, be interesting, wouldn't it? I think it'd be fun to say, okay, <laughs> let's see who really comes up with the best analysis here. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I'd love to do it. <laughs> so, uh, Sorry, John, interactive AI, right, is definitely something we say, watch the space, right? So. For sure. For what sure. Next? What else? What are else? And, we're and this has taken us, we're kind of going into the last couple of minutes here for today, folks, but this is tying in nicely to where, where I'm going and possibly you, Chris, but next uh, in February, middle of February, uh, I chair an event called Future of Work Expo. And uh, this is my fifth year doing it. And it's part of the IT Expo that TMC runs in Florida. So it's going to be in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Same spot as last time when we did it in 2022. And uh, I'm vigorously recruiting my speakers. We have a great agenda uh, in place, and we're just filling out our panel sessions with all kinds of speakers. And uh, if you have any interest, folks, just give me a call or let me know because uh, we have a good program. You can find it on TMC, tmcnet.com is the home website. And if you can go there, you'll find the future of work event in there. But it might be faster just to drop me a line. But uh, yeah, we're always looking for speakers and moderators. And uh, it's going to be a good program as, as it has been for the past few years. And so it's a good space, Chris, to talk about some of these trends where future work is more than just communications technology and contact center stuff. But it's, you know, it's HR. It's reimagining the office spaces, right? And we've talked about this many times. And of course, you know, what does IT have to do to adapt? You know, what is the, what are the skills going to be needed for workers uh, in, in these environments? So all kinds of, you know, related topics here. 
Uh, so it'll be, uh, I, I think it'll be a, a good event as it has been. And, uh, you know, if you're interested, come join us, even just to attend. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, yeah, and you've got potentially some travel coming up as well, right? Yes, yes. And I'm just going to continue my work on the workplace and the future of work and whatever I say in the intro. Um, going to continue my my uh, volunteer work with the Security Industry Association PropTech panel, which I'm also our uh, board, which I'm also on, which is uh, helping to bridge some of the gaps between security and uh, property prop tech or property technology. And that's always interesting. And, um, you know, John, I guess I guess the second trend I would mention would be I really think that hybrid works not going away. And this is not a hugely original uh, conclusion, but we're going to talk about some data that's come out. We'll talk about this next month about it really shows this only a huge number of data points. And while people are coming back to the office, I think it's not going to be five days a week for most folks. And I think that that's going to trigger a big adjustment in the way companies are managed, especially the way they run real estate. So I think that's a watch this space for the year. And I suspect you and I will be talking more about that because that also touches on a lot of your focuses about what kind of technology you put in the remaining workplace or the evolved workplace and how space you know, translates itself into new uses. And uh, it, it should be pretty interesting, but two years, well, I mean, it's arguably the pandemic's not totally over, but when we're out past lockdowns and people are out there more and companies are, you know, inviting or more than inviting people to be in the office, um, it's gonna be interesting to see how far it actually goes, right? I mean, how much people actually, when, it, when everything starts to stabilize, how much, how much in-office uh, work there is, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. So that's a sneak peek, right, Chris? So there'll be more on that for our next episode. And uh, I think it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, th- th- when this research comes out, it- it's great to see numbers, you know, to validate some of these ideas that we have, but also I think open up our eyes to some new things we hadn't uh, you know, we hadn't considered. And uh, yeah, you will be the star for that one, for sure. Well, I can certainly talk about it. And I'm happy. I'm happy to do so, John. But in our little remaining minute, is there any, I mean, we look, we could go on about trends forever. But is there any, any other one you want to um, squeeze in there? I mean, you're involved in so many of these sectors. Do you see any, any major trend emerging that's going to uh, play out in 2023? Well, I think to, just to come full circle to what I said at the top was the economy, uh, the climate is going to be tougher. And, you know, it's the first time in many years we've had a market like this. And as I mentioned about profits not being there, it's going to take its toll and there's going to be some exits for sure. Certainly in our space, there are a few companies I think that are going to really struggle to survive either viably as a business or as an independent company. So I think the consolidation trend is, you know, I hate to say the, you know, the strong gets stronger, but um, it's going to be a tougher market and there's really just too many players. So we're going to see more of that consolidation happening, but it's going to be driven more by economic factors, right? You know, the investors run out of patience, that kind of thing, as opposed to being so much money awash from the PE guys that they just have to buy up whatever they can. It's not that environment. It's more the latter about the financial realities of the marketplace right now. So I think it's a healthy thing in the long run, but um, that's just, you know, the nature of the business. 
No, agreed. I, I agree with you. And I guess the final thing I'd mention is I think that we're going to continue to see a lot of focus on the geopolitical environment with all that's going on in the world right now. And so, with, you know, the the geopolitical cauldron, if you will, is bubbling more than it had for a number of years. And so, you know, that's that that kind of tends to affect things pretty broadly from the economy to social and political perceptions of things. And it's not totally related, but I actually think along, you know, to your point about the big getting bigger, etc. I actually think that we're going to start to see some balance in the way these companies are viewed, that there is going to be more pushback toward unlimited power and more. Mm -hmm. I think that, that, that there and, and I think this is actually sort of a bipartisan thought that, you know, you can't just have unlimited ability to affect everything. And so we'll see. I mean, that's always a we'll see because we you never really know how effective any kind of thing is going to be. But uh, we will see because the attitude seems to be there uh, broadly to to have more balance. Right. So yeah, we could totally. aim for more balance in general. Yes, totally agree. And I'm going to stop there because that's a rabbit hole we're never going to get out of. That is true. So, so we damn stop. interesting. OK, on time. So that brings us to an end today, folks, for uh, episode one, season six of Watch This Space. So we'll thank you for listening as always and hope you're enjoying it and that you'll stay with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And if you like what you hear with us, Leave us a review or a rating and make suggestions. We'd love to hear your comments about topics we should be talking about and ways we can make our podcast better. So with that, I am John Arnold. I'm Chris Fine. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope you had a great holiday season. And we will look forward to another year of Watch This Space. John, thank you as always. It's an honor to be starting season six with you. And we're looking forward to the podcast for this year. Thanks, everyone, and we will be back on the air next month.